podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the latest in the lockdown interviews. My name is Sam Davis and this is Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. Now, usually between May and August in that summer break between a football season, there's usually transfer tales and speculation and all sorts of activity, which means that whilst there's no football, there kind of is. Every time you log on to Twitter, there's always something to take a look at that's new. This lockdown, though, has been completely different and it's enabled me and many others to refocus on the achievements that we've accomplished in order to get to where we are. Sometimes it's very easy to normalise being in the Premier League when we're such a small club. However, we are there, but it's been a great chance to reminisce on some of the days that we've had before, both brilliant, but also some darker times too. Now, with the guest on this particular interview, it's success all the way because it's the captain that led us to the championship title in that 2014-15 season. So here is the full and unabridged interview with Captain Fantastic, Tommy Elphick. So, Tommy, we're absolutely delighted to have you here. How are you? Yeah, very well. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem at all. How are you coping with the lockdown and everything that's been going on recently? Yeah, same as everyone, really. It's tough. Um, but I've got a two-year-old and a, a three-month-old keeping me busy. Um, and I'm, I'm out of a serious injury at the moment. So, managing managing to, to get through my rehab fine at the moment at home. Um but, but missing the everyday action of being in, like everyone is in every walk of life. So uh, strange, strange times, but I'm, I'm doing all right. Good stuff. So you've also got uh, Jeff Hayward here from the podcast. Jeff, how are you doing? Um, fantastic. Fantastic. Obviously, with Tommy here, fantastic. And also we've got North Stand season ticket holder and pretty much an AFCB influencer these days, <laughs> Tom Jordan. Uh, <laughs> earlier last week, you were trying to instigate a chant for Steve Cook, who, uh, I mean, Tommy, you must feel sorry for Steve Cook being at the club for so long, yet not even having a chance. What's going on yeah, there? Yeah, it's right? not good enough. Not good enough. We need to talk about that. <laughs> so, Tommy, um, most football fans will be aware that you joined us in 2012. But before that, you came up through the ranks at Brighton and uh, you forged a successful path with them. Um, you got promoted to the championship with them, but, you know, you got injury struck at, at one point and then you were playing a pre-season friendly for Brighton in the 2012 season then in the flash of an eye you signed for Bournemouth um how on earth did that come about yes yeah, so obviously come through the youth team at Brighton um was was uh great memories and great times um and uh the season we got promoted to um the championship on the last day of the season I ruptured my Achilles 
Um, and I think game to game, I was out about 16 months. Um, and obviously, it's a, a long time to be out and, and missed a lot of football. Um, and then one pre-season, I'd come back. And the idea was to to go out on loan. Um, Gus Poirier was the manager at, at the time where I got on with Famous and uh, like holding such high regard. And it was a really exciting time to be at Brighton. Um, and I had the options of, I had about six different options to go on loan back to League One um, to get playing. The idea was to go, you could still do like a three month loan at that time to, to go for three months, um, come back and try and get back in the Brighton team leading up until Christmas. And then if that didn't work on, then it was probably time to move on um, and sort of rattled it down to three clubs. I think it was Bournemouth, uh, Coventry, who, who had just come down to League One and MK Dons, who were sort of just coming coming through the leagues. Um, and Bournemouth was the first club that I went to. And my agent was responsible for um, bringing Charlie Daniels to the club as well. Mm. Um, so I had a bit of a connection with the club. And he said it would be a good idea to go and visit Bournemouth first. Uh, went down, met Paul Groves. Was impressed by what I'd seen. I'd obviously taken a bit of an interest uh, in the club when Cookie had moved to to see how he he was doing. Um, sat down with Paul Groves and and drove away. And I thought it just might be time for a change. Um, so again, spoke to Brighton. They was open to the idea. They had a price tag. Uh, Bournemouth met it, and the rest is history, as they say. It was all a bit acrimonious, wasn't it, with the, the ending of Paul Groves and uh, the Sean Brooks era because uh, they didn't last too long and it, it did end fairly badly, as I recall. How was it yeah. as a player? Yeah, I mean, uh, two two really great guys, uh, two really good coaches, but uh, I sensed very quickly that, um, I wouldn't say it was a bad feeling there, but it was a bit fragmented. Um, the attendances were low for the start of this season and... Uh, it, it was a very, very strange time. Everyone knows what the chairman, Eddie Mitchell, at the time was was quite vocal. And like I, I was never, never used to anything like this. And he was turning up in the dressing room and, and giving this team talk at the stage. And I think, mean, what is going on here? And about three or four weeks in, I remember ringing my dad and saying, I think we've, we've had a bit of a boo-boo here. I think we've made a bad mistake. We're in a bit of trouble. Um, and it wasn't through the bad work of Paul and, and Sean. They were good coaches and, and good guys, as I said. And we had a very, very talented squad. But things were fractious and, and pretty fragmented and it needed bringing together. Um, obviously, you never want to see anyone lose their jobs, but um, we found out quickly that Eddie was was interested in coming back. And uh, just remember that the, the sort of um, the feeling around the club changing overnight. Um, so it obviously led to, to a, a great rise. And obviously, as I said, never want to see anyone lose their job. But... Mm. With, with the opportunity of Eddie coming back, it, it was it was it was an amazing time to then be at the club. Yeah, Tom Jordan, you'll I mean you'll know what the fans' reaction to uh, Paul Groves was, and it it wasn't particularly great, was it? No, it was a difficult one because I think Tommy will probably you know agree with me here that we had a good group of players, which obviously it proved in the end, and I think that was probably the main thing is we felt we had a really good squad there some good talented players and just weren't getting the best out of them. And um, like I say, may, maybe it just needed bringing together a little bit. And that's what Eddie managed to do. Cause it seemed like a, a really good talented group of players for that level. And it just, for, for one reason or another, it wasn't clicking. And like you say, there were things behind the scenes and Eddie Mitchell, et cetera. And it just, it was bizarre at the time. Cause you just felt like it only needed a little tweak to really kick on. Mm, yeah. That's, 
Troy, I mean, do you think, that, uh, Tommy, that the stick they got um, from the fans, at least, was perhaps unjustified, given that between Brooks and Lee Bradbury, they, you know, they signed our back four. They signed yourself, Charlie Daniels, Steve Cook and Simon Francis. So, you know, yeah. you could argue that their transfer decisions weren't bad. No, um, they laid down some pretty solid foundations, didn't they? And, and I remember Lee Bradbury um, losing his job and, and a lot of lads were still sort of um, caught up on that. Obviously, I've, I'd never met Lee or, or, or worked under Lee, but a lot of lads were quite fond of Lee. Um, just the way it had come about. And I don't know, there was, there was two. If, if Paul and Sean had been given full reign, I, I think, and... and been able to manage the club and, and, and coach the lads the way they wanted to. I think they would have done a little bit better than what they had. Um, and listen, an owner puts their money in and, and, and invests in a squad. They can do what they want at the end of the day. It's their football club. Um, but I, I felt Sean and Paul had their hands tied a little bit. They was kicking it uphill, I think, under the circumstances that they took over. But I think, like you've just alluded to there, the foundations that they laid with, with some of the signings and even previous to that, Lee Bradbury, the, the club do owe them something, and and and, and you know they they set up a, a talented squad for Eddie to come in and and, and mould his way. Yeah. And what were your first impressions of Eddie, and how quickly did did you actually feel his impact? Yeah, I mean uh, between Paul and, and and Sean getting sacked, I think we had uh, we played late in Orient, didn't we? Um, we had probably a week, maybe a little bit longer, leading into that game, and there was a few rumours and. There was lads like Fletcher was obviously still in the dressing room. Richard Hughes, uh, Josh McCoy, who had, who had known Eddie and worked with Eddie so for, for for the period that he had left before um, before he went to Burnley. Um, and someone like Hughes, when Hughes speaks, you listen, and he was very very excited about what was to come um, and the visions that Eddie would have had. So we all was desperate to get it done. It some one day it would look like it was getting done, the next day it wouldn't. Uh, Hughesy was trying to keep us posted as much as he could, but I think the feeling that we got when um, when they got announced on the pitch at halftime at Leighton Orient, like we could all feel that energy coming from the fans. Um, and just from like his first meeting, you just knew he was going with a plan. This is the way it was going to be. Uh, you're either on board or you're not. Um, I remember he, he used to take us on a, on a Monday after a, a Saturday game for a warm down. He used to take us down to the beach every now and then for, for a sort of warm down. Mm. Um, so that was the first thing he'd done. We, we, we come in, we went for a walk down the beach and he just start, started picking everyone's brains and getting to know everyone that way. It was quite relaxed and casual, which was genius in itself. Um, went back to the training ground and gave us a presentation on what he expected, code of conduct, how he works. Um, and then that evening we got a text I think it was from the physio at the time saying, can everyone bring £20 in tomorrow? So you had the lads, everyone brought £20 in, was like, what's this for? Um, we, had, we had a tournament, four teams, £20 each, Kevin Bond come in to watch the session. And uh, it was just uh, uh, everyone play each other, round robin. Um, and the, the pot goes to the winning team. Mm. And it straight away just got you in that mentality of wanting to win and just layered it day on day, um, and and it was just a, a pleasure, and and I'm sure you'll you'll agree it was it was a, a joy to watch. Mm. I mean, as soon as Eddie got a grasp on the squad, it seemed that everyone seemed to galvanise really quickly. But I mean, mm. at what point did you maybe feel as though you were onto something special in League One with Eddie? Um, don't know. It's, it's hard to tell because when you're in it, you just you're, you're, you're tipping away, and you just sort of 
you're on to the next one all the time. You never really stop and, and reflect. And this period now is kind of weird because you're doing a lot of reflecting because there's not a lot else you can do. Um, but I don't know, just week on week, things grew. Um, we went on a mad run. I think we were unbeaten in about 17 and we'd, we'd got to sort of the playoffs. And I suppose the time where I really thought he was a top, top manager was that league one when I think we went five, we lost five on the bounce. And just nothing changed. Like his demeanour, his personality, the way we worked, just worked a little bit harder, uh, analysed a little bit harder. Um, and just, I've been in that situation before and managed to panic and mm. start crisis meetings. And at that stage, I was captain. So it was just such an easy lead to follow. And um, probably looking back, that, that was the first time I thought, yeah, this, this fellow's got it all. Yeah, I mean, just before I throw to Jeff, he's going to ask you about um, an incident at MK Dons, which uh, he's very interested in. Um, we've had a couple of people ask about Eddie's training techniques. So we had one from Brian Churchill, who asked um, how Eddie's training sessions differ from other managers, but also Smithy as well submitted a question saying, which players usually came out on top in pre-season fitness tests and uh, did any hate said tests? <laughs> <laughs> I, I hated them, that's for sure. I was always the one trying to jump the gun and improve my time and score for it. Um, I, you don't appreciate, and I always say this to the lads that are still there that I'd speak to, you don't appreciate how good his training is until you haven't got it anymore. Um, and that's one of the biggest, that's the biggest thing I've struggled with since I've left, is just not getting what I feel is needed and what the standard would be. And I can't hide but show my feelings when it's not when I'm not getting it, you know. Um there's just method to all the madness. Um it's different every day. It's all geared up towards a Saturday. It's all geared up to how uh we was gonna be at our strongest. Um and then he would drip feed in the next opponent's strengths um just to make you sort of aware of them. There was just no stone on like left unturned and he controlled absolutely everything. There was no, um, I wouldn't say responsibility, like JT was massive for the set pieces and would, would take the back four quite a bit, but always under Eddie's eye. Um, even like I remember times when Eddie would be like really sh like ill or couldn't come to training, which was like probably once in four years. Um, and we had cameras around the training ground and he would be watching on the cameras and then all of a sudden you'd just see him crouching down in the corner because he just couldn't stay away. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's always thinking um, his analysis was spot on. You'd always have to be geared up and you'd have, you'd have made sure that you'd have watched the game back or, or, or training back before the next day because you knew he was getting asked questions about it as well. So he just had you in tune. Yeah, special, special manager. Mm. Yeah. There was a, so there was an incident in February uh, of that season where we won 3 0 at MK Dons. It was a, a routine win. Um, yeah. But Tommy Heffernan's Poodle asks, What did you do or say to Ryan Lowe that made Lowe want to kill you? Uh, I'm not really sure, to be honest. Um, I think <laughs> he was probably playing for well. Um, yeah, I don't really know. He, he was. I remember him getting quite personal with Cookie over a few things that were going off the field at, at the time. And I sort of, he, he was a bit, he's an old school pro and someone I've played against a few times. And I just said to him, you know, you bang out of order what you just said. And it got a little bit heated at one stage, but then I never sort of 
saw anything like that coming. But to be fair to him, um, his manager rung me that evening. He rung me a few days later just to apologise and just say um, it just got, all got on top of him and he'd been a bit sort of stressed and there was things going on with, with his life and he'd lost the head for a little bit. So, as I say, he was quite old school like that and I don't think he'd meant to hurt me. You know, he maybe had a little bit of moment of madness, but I've just yeah. suffered another sort of long-term injury where I got done in a similar sort of situation and that lad didn't ring me, so... How long did that put you out for? That uh, you know what happened. Um, it wasn't actually that long because yeah. it was strange actually. This season, I went to see the same surgeon that I went to see then, and we we'd had a bit of a sort of joke about it because we saw the scans back from there. But I think it was about six or seven weeks. Yeah, um, it was on the back of we we lost five on the bounce, and then sort of it was on the back of that I'd come back and. With one sort of, I think we went to Oldham away. I was, yeah, um, because I, because I say that because old school on um, on Twitter on one of the forums actually said, you know, how satisfying was it to come back, you know, from that kind of injury and then continue to be part of our success, just drop straight back in. Yeah, I mean, listen, I got, I, I I really did get away with like not getting badly injured. It it was um, just it was bone bruising, which. Um, it sounds a bit worse than what it was. Do you know what I mean? So uh, once I found that out, it was the, the the big satisfaction in coming back from these big injuries. Like when I got injured at Brighton, ruptured my Achilles or whatever, and, and dropped down to Bournemouth to try and get back to the level. Like a feeling of coming back from an injury like that is a lot greater. And obviously, we've seen a lot of success stories at Bournemouth recently with the likes of Wilson and and Frano, um, Max Grade, or Tyrone Mings. You know, mm. so when you come back from them serious, serious injuries. They're the ones that you take a lot of pride in. Mm. Tom Jordan, how how quickly did you feel during that League One season that um, you know this, the that the group of players that we've got can actually achieve something? Because obviously the start of that season wasn't so great, but then Eddie came back um, as the song goes, and yeah, seemed to galvanise us. At, at what point did you think, hang on a sec, we got a chance here, we could go up? I genuinely thought, as soon as Eddie come back, hmm. maybe not go up. I mean, that was we were. I think we were in the relegation zone, weren't we? When he come in, mm, yeah, um, or or near it. But um, I think when he come back, I thought this is if it's, if he can get the group together. I think um, Tommy alluded to it to get that connection back with the fans as well. Um, Eddie coming back brought that connection between the fans and the players. Um, and soon as we went on a little bit of a run, you felt like well we've got the players here now we've got the gaffer. I think we've we've clearly got a squad that should be near the top of this league. So. I think it was pretty quick when Eddie came back. Um, I think at the start of the season, I I was pretty optimistic. And um, yeah, the start was obviously disappointing. But I always felt like, you know, only needed a couple of wins at that level. And if we could, if we got on a bit of a run, I felt like, yeah, we could definitely go and storm the league and nearly win it. Hmm. So what were your memories of that League One promotion season, you know, Tommy? Because obviously it, it all culminated and... Yeah. We didn't quite win it, but um, it, you know we put together a series of brilliant results throughout. Well, f- from January through till May. What were your sort of overriding memories of it? <laughs> like relief was a, a huge one for me. Obviously dropping down from from uh, from the championship, and I was just so geared up and focused to get back to the level. Um, as I say, it was very fragmented when I got there. There was lots of sort of little clicks, um, and and me coming in to try and do what I do naturally try and bring it together a little bit. It was just finding out um, a bit of common ground. Um, a few of us like to play cards. That was, that was a thing. There was a, there was a FIFA group 
a lot of lads went off, um, played FIFA in the afternoons. We quickly established a coffee group, uh, which was still at the club. <laughs> um, and, and genuinely, we, we had a great Christmas night out, which, again, at the right time in the right place, Eddie's all for that sort of bonding. Um, and I remember us, we had a great night out and it just seemed to bring us together. Um, we got it out of the way early, I think it was late November, early, early December. And that helped sort of keep the momentum going grow the connection in the squad um but yeah just just the overriding factor for me was was obviously joy and, and, and massive relief to get back to the level after such a serious injury mm. jeff yeah i was going to ask i mean the the title i was at that carlisle game which was you know a superb uh promotion ceiling victory but it, after that it, it sort of went a bit flat how did that how did that affect you just to finish runners up rather than champions yeah, I mean, I think the lesson um, became greater, obviously, two years down the line when we had the opportunity to win it on the last day. Um, and it did hurt. It was it was a little bit flat after. But then I think um, senior lads like Hughesy, who was still there, Fletch, the manager, were very, very quick to remind us that how well we had done to even get in with a shout of getting promoted, let alone getting promoted. Um, and to be honest, the celebrations... You need that bit of silverware. You need that bit of that 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 trophy to carry around with you. And I, and I know since sort of then they they've made a runners up trophy, isn't it? But it's mm. nowhere as good as the winners one. So <laughs> yeah, I think that was the inspiration and 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 the hunger going forward two years down the line to 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 win a title. So could have been a little bit of a blessing in disguise, but definitely was flat and 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 uh, wasn't quite the celebration that we would have had if, if we was champions. Hmm. Yeah, now we've had a question from Neil Dawson who said uh, Eddie used to wheel Fletch out in training whenever we uh, were going to come up against a big centre forward so the team could practice. Did you ever win a header against Super Fletch? <laughs> no, they're, they're, they're sort of things as well that not a lot of managers would think of doing and um, that's just the way we prepared as well. So Fletch was an awkward character, you know, in prime and, and probably still is to, to this day. Uh, I still see pictures of him being wheeled out and I think he's still using the next one. Um, I love I the fact that everyone says wheeled out these days. I love it. It's superb. <laughs> I, I, went, I went to one of the games this season and bumped into Fletch actually, Sheffield United away and he's still looking as fit as ever and, and I think he's still getting getting involved in training as well. So I imagine he is using him still, yeah. Mm. What was the transition like, Tommy, when you when you played in the championship that first season? Was it was it much of a step up from League One? Yeah, well, for for me, um, it, it was a strange one because um, Eddie, Eddie won't mind me saying this, but we had a little bit of a Barney that pre-season. Um, I'd come off the back of a serious injury, um, and me and Eddie were so so tight, and we had such a good relationship, and, and still have now. Um, but obviously, along the along the way, when you, with your manager, you, you're always going to have some sort of maybe not see eye to eye. But after the after the League One promotion, he said to me, "Look, you've had a serious injury." He said, "Just really, really chill out this summer. Don't do too much." And I probably chill, chilled out a little bit too. Much. <laughs> <laughs> and I come back pre-season, and I wasn't I wasn't like looking back, I wasn't where I should have been. Um, but I felt I had a good pre-season, and I was the skipper. Um, and I remember doing a fans forum on the Thursday night that we used to do before the start of the season. And me and Eddie were doing it um, with uh, Chris Temple. And Eddie pulled me after. He said, look, I'm, I'm not going to start you. He had signed Elliot Ward. And I thought, well, I 
I just didn't see it coming. Like yeah. I had such a good run under Eddie and, and was playing so well. I just didn't think, you know what I mean? And that's probably a little bit of complacency or, or whatever you call it. But I went to instructions. I didn't do too much in the summer and I've come back. So uh, I'll always sort of defend myself a little bit. But he left me out the first few games. I remember we got a right few few idings. We, we lost to Watford. Uh, I think it was about six. Um, so the transition, I, I think, from League One to the Championship probably wasn't quite as smooth um, as it was from the Champ to the Prem. Mm. Um, but then myself, I, I got sort of to a stage where he put me back in and, and, and then didn't look back and, and got back to where I needed to be. And obviously we went on a, a great run again and um, just missed out on the playoffs. Mm. Tom Jordan, what were your uh, memories of that early championship uh, era? Because we we got some batterings, didn't we? Yeah, it was bizarre because we were clearly playing the way Eddie wanted us to play. And I think we, we started with a win um, and then then we got humped and we got a few Highlands away from home. But um, I was going to ask Tommy, actually, from because we got a few big Highlands, you know, I think we conceded six at Watford and then five at Huddersfield shortly after. You said earlier about Eddie never panicking. Was there ever a point where he tried to tweak a few things because of that? Because, you know, we were playing very brave football, I would say, that we could get away with, if so to speak, in League One because we had quality players. When you were coming up against teams in the Championship, maybe some of that kind of play from the back and, you know, short football and very brave football, we got caught a few times early in the season. And was yeah. that everything that Eddie tried to tweak at all, or did he just keep pushing it, pushing it? No, I just just kept pushing it, and and back to the drawing board, back to analysing, back to stripping it back. That's one thing he would always do in 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 times where we wasn't getting results. Is always sort of strip it back to 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 our basics. Um, he flirted a couple of times with a three at the back, but I don't think it suited us. Um, and then yeah, just just went to work with it, kept the faith. I think. The reason why he's done so well and, and, and the lads have done so well for him is it's all built on trust. And when you trust the man so much, when when you see how much he works <laughs> and what he puts into it, you can't not trust him. Um, and that's where it shines through, you know, in the times of need, um, where, where you need a bit of help. You just trust in what he's telling you and, and you get through them periods. I think you were you were part of this small group that went from League One to Championship to Premier League. I, I think you even called them misfits, Tommy. So, I mean, it must have been daunting, wasn't it, to to do those steps up and and raise the bar? And were all the players believing that they could do it in the same way as you did? Um, I think so. Yeah, and that was probably part of my job as as captain is to is to try and um, make them believe. Um, as I say, it was so hard not to believe Eddie uh, in his methods, and we knew we had a, a special manager. And I think that the, the balance of the squad, and not just the eleven that were playing, but the squad. When you look back, and some of the players who weren't playing in, in that championship season who are now playing, and the way it was all put together, um, the way they recruited, um, the way we trained, so so hungry, um, just just was a really really special time, and. We was all coming to an age where it was either it was now or never to 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 get to them sort of levels, um, and just yeah, the, the, after the way we played in the season, we went up from the championship to the prem. Um, a lot of people were doubting us that we'd go straight back down, but that was pretty foolish. And we had an internal drive and 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 we, an internal confidence that we would be all right. 
Didn't you say that there's um, a quote in one of the books you read, Jeff, recently about that QPR game in the first season of the? I think that's like where we went down to ten men, didn't we? And Harry Redknapp was in charge at that point. Yeah, I think uh, I think that was a game where we came out on top, Tommy. And, and that, from uh, from what I've read about you, is one of those games where you felt you had the belief that you could actually do something serious in the yeah. in the next championship campaign. Do you want to just tell us why that why that game meant so much to you? Yeah, um, I think we originally we at the start of the season we'd struggled a little bit, and and then we were gaining momentum all the time. Um, and, and we'd beaten QPR. We had some a real, real talented squad. Um, we went down to ten men. I think I think I might have scored as well. Um, but I just thought if we could keep going in the in in that manner till the end of the season, um, with the manager that we had and, and the sort of profile of the club, a lot of lads would want to come and join us and be excited about it. And the momentum is just the key in these promotions, and that spiraled over into the next one. Uh, the way we ended that first season in the Championship is is what got us off to such a good start and, and took us to where we needed to be. Hmm, interesting. So, yeah, we got we got promoted and it was, you know, sorry, it was quite funny when we got you know promoted into the championship. Uh, the media were taking a lot more notice of us and also a lot more notice of you, namely something that happened before every single game. And we had a couple of questions that were submitted about this. So firstly, uh, this quick one from Harrison. Hi, Tommy. What was the meaning behind your pre-match ritual? But also, we had this from Tony, which, uh, yeah, I like the way he worded this one. Tommy, you've got a quite a strange pre-match ritual. Has anyone ever tried to stop you doing it? And where are they buried now? <laughs> so, yeah, tell us what that ritual was all about. And uh, did you ever have any kind of issues doing it? No, n never. The only issue I had is when um, that second season in the championship, the photographer used to take a picture of us all lining up, um, <laughs> and I was never in any of them. And it was after about five or six games. Like, what is, like, I've only got ten players in in the area. <laughs> oh, sorry, I, like, I'm not changing for the world. But it was just I don't know something over time. Um, one of my first games. Um, at Brighton, our goalkeeper had the wrong colour jersey on and the kit room was miles away and our kit man had really dodgy knees. Um, and it took him an age to go and get the, the, the sort of substitute goalie kit or whatever so the keeper could change it quickly before the game. Um, and I just felt myself switching off and I went over to the post, banged my boots off at the post and we won the game. So then before every game, I'd end up banging my boots off. And then I met a psychologist down the line uh, he said, oh, I've seen you doing this. I said, yeah, listen, I'm, I'm mad superstitious. Um, he said, oh, look, it's, it's a good time for you to take yourself away, remind you of, of what you need to be doing and maybe say a few things. So that's where, that's where it sort of developed and it's always stood me in good stead. So, yeah. Yeah, Is there Tom, anything else, Tommy, like, apart from football, that you do, like, a superstition, like, before you make it a cup of tea or something? No, I just, <laughs> I, it doesn't stop. Like, there's a few in the, there was a few in the change room. Charlie Daniels was bad for it. Um, as well, you'd always, I'd always see Chaz going into the physio room, placing his like we had like a, a book rack in there, and he'd always place his phone in the same place in this like in between these two books. Um, but our my, mine would start on like a, a Friday morning, and I'd love to like throughout the week, I like to tick certain things off, like little movements and, and um, different practices. Um, the amount of potatoes I have, and broccoli, and <laughs> they're, they're <all> <laughs> but, yeah. 
Yeah, and Tom, Tom Jordan, you you always have been a fan who loves players who've got that you know sort of you know almost like a connection with the fans. And did you feel that that routine at the start of every game it it almost helped us to bring sort of us closer to the team because you know you did the post thing and then after that you sort of ran off and then you g'd up the fans and that's what other players do when Charlie Daniels runs out onto the pitch he kind of like has his moment where he g's himself up and g's up the fans steve cook has like has that sort of you know connection too tom you um you enjoyed those moments didn't you yeah big time and i think that was a uh, you know what i was going to mention to tommy actually is that obviously it was quite clear on the pitch tommy was the leader you didn't need to be wearing a captain's armband for anyone watching to see that Tommy Elphick was the captain. It was quite clear on the pitch. But I, I always felt that off the pitch, that, that team, as much as they were probably considered inexperienced for that level, they were. it would seem like a group of players that were real leaders off the pitch. Andrew Sermon, Simon Francis, Steve Cook, Charlie Daniels. It seemed like we had quite a lot of leaders off the pitch as well. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Um, even people like Ian Hart, um, Sylvain Distan, when he comes to the club, um, Arta Boric. Um, I think the, the key behind that is the recruitment and how much detail and planning goes into the characteristic of, of the person that they're bringing in to make sure that they fit in with, with the, the club style and, and what they expect. Um, as I say, as, a, as, a, as a sort of someone who was seen to be the captain, it was just, it was, it was easy. Um, it, it was, it was a pleasure. Um, people like Harry Arter. Uh, the, the important thing became, because we was doing so well in that season, we went up, the important thing become the ones behind the 11, if you like, mm. to be reminded that they are doing so well, um, that they are so valued, um, that we do need them, that they are part of it. Because when you're not in that 11, it can be you can be forgotten. Um, and the strength of that team was the underbelly for me. And that second championship season, Tommy, that started, well, it was 26 seconds in and I started getting really excited that we could do something special. That's how long it took for, for Mark Pugh to, to score. That first yeah. win against Huddersfield, that must have been a, a big moment. Big moment. Um, as I say, you always want to see that momentum carry over. We had had a good pre-season, uh, made some really, really good signings. Um, and it, I think in that book as well, it's well documented that when Dan Gosling come in, like great, great character, great lad and I remember just having a coffee with him one day and just sort of been saying to him, he'd been at some big clubs, what do you think of the standard? And he just said, like, I'm blown away by it. I can't believe the training. Um, I think we've got a chance. And when people like that are starting to tell you that as well, um, you start to believe. So it was nice to get the first one on the board. Um, I think we got off to a good start. We, we, we stuttered a little bit. Um, but then the season just took care of itself. And even in this period now, when like the club have been putting a few games on and whatnot. I've watched a little bit of the film on the other night and just brings back so many good memories. And We're spoiled because I honestly think that you could put that team up against any team or put that squad up against any squad that's ever won the championship. I think that was the best ever because it was such a competitive league. Mm. So many teams were spending money. Um, like there were massive, massive players, clubs that have come back down from the Premier League that were expected to go up. Um, yeah, I, I, I just held that team in, in such a high regard. It, it's funny, we've had a uh, 
a message from Steve Butler saying, Tommy, can you put your yeah. ring lights on? <laughs> Absolutely not a problem at all. Um, it's quite interesting. I mean, hopefully, um, hopefully you can still hear us. But, um, you know, towards the end of our second season in the championship where Bournemouth fans, you know, thought that promotion it was a possibility. There were numerous moments where we thought, oh, my goodness, maybe it's not going to happen. And I can name a few of them individually for me, like going 2-0 down at home to Birmingham. Thankfully, we came back and won at 4-2. There was a moment that Steve Butler, who just messaged there, there was a half-hour delay for one of the kickoffs where you and Arta Boric were having a kick around on the Wessex Way due to traffic problems. Can you uh, remember those days? Yeah, so uh, Arta obviously coming from Southampton. I used to live sort of uh, Ringwood. Um, so we used to come down the Wessex Way and there was a bad smash. And obviously on, is it the A338 or whatever they call it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, one, one, if you ever got traffic there, like there was there was no sort of getting off. Mm. And we were stuck there for ages. And, and me being superstitious as well, I always like to be one of the first in. And I've got all these routines going on and I need to do this and I need to get a rub and I need my strappings done. And all this is going through my head. And anyway, the, the club send the car up the other side of the the motorway um, so me and Ar- Arta abandoned the cars <laughs> over the third central reservation get in the car and we was coming off um, wherever we could come off and turn down I think and then going round the back um, and I think as we jumped over the central reservation the traffic had got going and we was going <laughs> the other <laughs> but we, we ended up I think we drew nil-nil and yeah, I hadn't right. been superstition so that put all that to bed well, it's those it's those little moments that I, I sort of thought, oh, my goodness, maybe it's not going to happen. And it's quite interesting because we had a question from Kirk who asks when you felt promotion turned into a real possibility. Let's listen to this one. Firstly, I'd like to thank Tommy for the memories, his commitment, leadership and focus uh, through those promotions to the Premier League was just an absolute privilege to watch. As fans, we all have our opinions on uh, the success that we had to the Premier League and who defined those. But for Tommy, was there a player, persons, whether that's on and off the pitch or a game, which you felt would secure us promotion to the Premier League? Go for it. Um, the, The player that even, I actually spoke to him a few weeks ago as well, um, the player that I always look to for inspiration, and this might not, people might not think this, but the one I always used to look that would dig me out of a hole if I ever sort of made a mistake or if it weren't going right, and he would be the one to set the tempo Monday to Friday, and then Matt Ritchie, he was just like an absolute machine. Um, and if things weren't going right for the back four, he would just help you out so much. And if things weren't going right for the boys up front, he was the one to pop up with a goal. I mean, there's so many to... Arthur Boric made a huge difference. Um, we had a back four that was all on the same page. Harry Arthur, another one who I used to look to that used to inspire me hugely. Um, having someone like that in front that you could just lend the ball to, Andrew Sermon. You could go through the whole lot. Callum Wilson, obviously, was, was huge for it. But I think the one who was the most consistent every single day was Matt Ritchie. Um, literally, even on a Friday, the manager would be dragging him in it two o'clock in the afternoon like he would just be out there left foot practicing free kicks and, and cutting in on the left foot he was just 
the boy was a machine um, and, and great lad. We used to clash like anything, me and him. Like, we used to come in at half time and we'd be rocking like you wouldn't believe over certain things. But it was because we cared so much, um, because we knew what each other was capable of um, and just respected each other so, so much. Um, so he was the one player that I think if we'd have lost him at a point in that, se- in that season, it, it would have it would have hurt us. Um, in terms of games, I don't know really because the mentality of our manager and, and the mentality of the squad was we, we never really we would always come in and debrief on a Monday, but we would never stop. It was always looking to improve for the next one. So I don't really. It was always a possibility after after we won five one at, at Huddersfield, and like even going back to the season before at QPR and, and moments like that. But I don't suppose until we've done it really, uh, or, or certainly. Um, after after sort of the debacle between Middlesbrough and, and Fulham and what had happened there, and we had the game on the Monday, then I thought, I is, is game on here. We, we, I had no doubt in my mind that we would do it then. Um, yeah, there wasn't one really standout moment. There were some massive, big moments, weren't there? Kevin Jones. Um, and some, some sticky moments as well, which every season has. Yeah, I was going to touch on the sticky moments. The um, Sheffield Wednesday game, it just yeah. felt like... You know, unfortunately, Smithy gave away that penalty right yeah. at the death. And it felt like from the fans and the players that that almost felt like, have we just blown it? Kind of feeling. Was that? Yeah. Uh, well, that that? Smithy thought he had blown it. Yeah, um, <laughs> Smithy was like, what? Like, obviously, Frano's understudy that season and Frano was in such good form. He just couldn't get in the team regularly. But he, again, like contributed so much. And every time he did come in, he never, ever let us down. And he'd come in for the... For the Sheffield Wednesday game, I don't know whether Frano was suspended or injured. He got sent off in the game, didn't he? And off, that's it. Smithy yeah. come on, and then Frano missed the Bolton game, didn't he? But he gave the penalty away, and, and Smithy was in the change room, like literally head in his hand, sort of lying on crying, bless him. Wow. Messed it up for everyone. Um, but then we was quick to remind him that, that there was still a, a few points to play for, and we'd be all right. So. But even there was games like Birmingham as well. I think we might have gone two 0 down and ended up winning four two. Um, Brentford was the standout one for me um, that I thought enough we'd just got to a point where we were so eyeballs out and everything was so full on was we just tailing off a little bit and like obviously you read the book there was a, a little bit of a, a, a Barney between me, me and the gaffer on the way back over trying to get a, a fresh face in that's what I just thought the group needed um, and Ken would come in and, and, and he gave us that that Ipswich game was, I thought, pretty decisive as well because the the spirit to to come back and get that result um, yeah. so late on was just that must have given um, uh, amazing. I was going to say unbelievable belief to the team. Yeah, and and um, I think you say Ipswich now, and obviously they're, they're they're not doing so well in League One, but at the time they was they was in the playoffs and and, and real real tough team to play against, especially away. And I think it might have been an Easter weekend where you played on the Friday and the Monday, and we'd gone one nil down early and we was battering them. Um, but then just kept plugging away and obviously Kenwin come on and 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 got got a big goal and everything just seemed to to sort of dovetail from there and and run pretty smoothly. And obviously results went our way so that it could be uh, then decided on the Monday night, home against Bolton. I mean, you must have been nervous. I know you're a professional, but there must have been so many nerves ahead of that match. That was, was good. Like, that 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 
Wow. Next two days was just um, there was no nerves whatsoever, just pure excitement. Um, just as I say, it comes back to the trust we all had in each other, um, and just how well we were drilled. Um, if anything, we, we we may have just could have just overboiled um, and and could have tried a little bit too hard and tried to do do things a little bit too quick and. I've been speaking to Neil Perrett this week because he's doing a few features and like my clearest Bournemouth memory comes from the Bolton game. Um, I can just remember it so clear. We was Everything was a million mile an hour and we'd gone 1-0 up um, early and we was just trying to do, we was trying to win the game before 90 minutes where instead of just relaxing, enjoying it and and, and letting the football do the talking and, and when we was when we was good, we didn't think about it. You know, we was just such a well-oiled machine and so balanced, and things were just spiraling almost out of control. We was going a little bit too quick for our own good, and I, I just remember a ball being set back to me and putting my foot on it and just screaming at the top of my voice for everyone to calm down. Um, and we sort of did, and we just got in that rhythm and and, and just blitzed and, and blew another team away. Hmm. I mean, what a game that was. And uh, I mean, I've got a picture here of some of the, the uh, you know, after the game, it was incredible. All the fans went onto the pitch. I mean, Mark Pugh scored the first and then, um, yeah, we went 2-0 up very, very quickly. Uh, Jan missed a penalty, didn't yeah. he? But then, uh, you know, Callum Wilson uh, made it 3-0. What was it like after that game? And where did you go? What did you do? Because I saw a few interviews on Sky Sports News the next day and Matt Ritchie and and even Eddie Howe had a had a little bit of a hoarse voice. Yeah, yeah, no, it was, it was class and done it in such convincing fashion as well. Um, I think we went to, to a club in, in, in town. We just went in our tracksuits from the ground. Um, Eddie sat us down after the game, just well done, brilliant. Uh, enjoy your night. Uh, have Wednesday off, but sorry, yeah, so it was Monday night. Have, have Tuesday off but be ready to come back in Wednesday because we've got a trophy to try and get. And that's why I say the lessons from that, that day at Tranmere sort of come to the front because those celebrations, again, they would have been very, very special still, but that trophy so famous as well. Um, Eddie was quick to remind us about things like that. Um, and we wanted to do everything that we could to, to give ourselves a chance of, of lifting the, the trophy as well. Mm. Yeah, Jeff. So, Charlton... I mean, um, what a performance again! Because the players could easily have switched off. Did you did you do anything special to to get them focused before that game? No, it was just business as usual. Um, as I say, that's that's where the, the the strength of the group and and the strength of the manager is is was so clear. Um, we were so focused. Um, Charlton hadn't had the best of seasons. I think they had already been relegated, so we we was uh, sort of fancied ourselves if you like even though we, we, we probably fancied ourselves against anyone um we knew that that Watford had a tricky game um and I, I think the the ultimate thing was we wanted to go there win and enjoy the day and enjoy winning that was the, that was that was what the group was all about we enjoyed winning we loved winning um and just the last 10 minutes of that was it was like a testimonial but it was so enjoyable um I think we were 3-0 up Harry had got his goal against his old club, which was was good for Harry. Um, and just, oh, I just remember looking around mm. at all the 
me and Cookie sort of looking at each other every five minutes. Well, <laughs> that's one thing I was about to We had a few comments on this. KT Watkins said uh, we were at the Charlton game, was wondering at what point the players were aware that Sheffield Wednesday has scored. Were you aware from cheers from the crowd? Our guard said yeah. at what point during the yeah. Charlton game do you realise we were champions? And also I think we had a, another one also from Paul Kenwood as well who who alludes to the same thing by saying how how did you find out at Charlton that that we were champions. It must have been quite strange mm -hmm. for you to be playing in front of this, like, yeah. you know, up and down. Yeah. And you, like, you probably, we, we would have watched it, like, various times over the years as well. And I, I'd, I'd have watched it as a football fan, like, in, two games are going on. And I think we had kicked off a little bit later. Um, and I remember a weird sort of cheer coming from everywhere. Um, what, what was this all about? And then there was a scoreboard in, in the corner. Um, that flashed up with the scores with about five minutes to go and, and sort of just clocked myself that, that they was getting beat and you could see there was a bit of commotion on the bench. Mm. I think we was probably 3-0 up at this stage. Mm. Uh, and then obviously the fans start singing championies and then we were having a look round and, oh, 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 lads, we're in here. <laughs> Get on, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, they, they, we, we, you, we got to find out and it was just nice that we was... It wasn't nil-nil or we wasn't behind. We were so far in front. So, um, yeah, it was like, like just, just a pleasure the last five or ten minutes. Such a joy. Yeah, Tom Jordan, uh, good days, weren't they? I mean, how were you watching it and what was your reaction when it was all announced? Because it was one-nil to Watford, wasn't it? And then is it Ate Nui who equalised yeah. to make it one all? And then I think it was maybe three minutes or so um, stoppage time before it was all announced and... Oh, mate, I couldn't believe it. I mean, did you ever think, uh, Tom Jordan, that, you know, for all intents and purposes, we were going to go and beat Charlton, you know, based on the form that we were in, but no one really ever thought that Watford would slip up to a Sheffield Wednesday? Yeah, I thought we were pretty... I've was pretty confident we'd win the game. Um, I remember thinking beforehand, I probably wouldn't mind a draw because it means we've kept the unbeaten run going. You know, and I don't want to, you don't want to kind of dampen the day by not winning when you're in colour party mode. But I never thought Watford would slip up, to be honest. Um, like you say, Sheffield Wednesday were a decent side, so it's not, looking back on it, it's um, not that much of a surprise. But um, yeah, I think I can remember vaguely, I think Charlton had a player down injured for a while, which is why our game seemed to go on longer than theirs. Mm. But um, I've looked back at it because, I'm not going to lie, I can't remember the game that well. <laughs> but um, I've watched it back a few times. And watching the game back, it was probably one of our best performances of that season. We were incredible that day. I, I don't know if, if you agree, Tommy, but I remember watching that game. We could have had 10. We absolutely yeah. murdered them all game. Yeah, we did. There, there were so many performances like that. Though. Um, and I, Even right till the very end, I don't think we was getting the credit that we deserved. Like, we, we was unbelievable. Like, we were so good. Um, and there were just so many different factors to it as well. Um, like... I'd speak to my dad about it every now and then, and like in this period, um, and it was just like he used to say to me, it was just such a joy. He was just so relaxed coming to the game. You knew what you was getting. You could sort of, you had an affiliation with the team. You had, you could resonate with the characters. Um, it was just a real joy to watch. And I've always said, you don't, we won't appreciate it until we're fat and retired and can't do it no more. Um, <laughs> where this little period now it's so unique and, and strange and um, you can't help but look at good times like that um, like you see 
Jan Kermigan, oh, what a player Jan was. Mm. Um, Brett Pittman, just all of it. Um, it. It was like a bunch of misfits and it was an absolute, like I said it when I left, it was it was a masterpiece that, that Eddie sort of put together. It was a joke. Yeah, uh, super. Whilst I'm just here looking through some of the comments that come in, uh, Gemma Burney asked you if you could uh, please say a happy birthday to uh, to Ethan. It's his 12th birthday today. Ethan, happy birthday. Uh, probably frustrating one sitting indoors all day, but I hope you've had a good day and we brought a few smiles to your face this evening. Yeah, good stuff. So, yeah, the Premier League then. Um, we got promoted. It was, a, it was a bit of a strange season, really, because... Um, well, that Premier League season, Southampton finished fifth, Leicester won the league, um, fake bombs weren't spotted at Old Trafford, so we had to play again when everyone was on holiday. But for the Cherries, we finished in 16th when the media had, to all intents and purposes, completely written us off. Did that almost instill a siege mentality to the squad? It did for me. I remember doing an interview the week before um, on TalkSport, it was live and it was Darren Goff. I mean, who the hell is Darren Goff to comment on football? <laughs> Darren Goff and I think it was Adrian or someone. And they were, doing like, they were doing a preview on the season and uh, Adrian had sort of said um, how, how exciting it was for us to be in this in the league, this like little club and you can only get this many fans. He was being a bit um, really respectful and really respectful the way we played and we thought we would do all right. And I was sort of batting the questions off. And, and then Darren Goff come in. Oh, hello, Tommy. And Darren said, all right, Darren. All right. He said, yeah. Um, listen, mate, I've got to be honest. I don't think you've got a chance of staying up. <laughs> I was like, crying. Wow. Thanks, Darren. Like, that's all I need. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> 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 I'd have to beg, I'd beg to differ with you there, mate. Like, I think we'd be all right. Um, lo and behold, we was all right. And I think if you'd have read, read the script, wrote the script before the season as well, Lost some, some big players. Matt Ritchie, I think, had a timeout. Myself, uh, Wills had bad injuries. Tyrone, we had paid a lot of money for. Max Gradle. So it, it wasn't smooth sailing, um, but got the job done like we always do. Mm. It felt like that first game, the Villa game, which we lost 1-0 at home, was was a, a pretty tough uh, start to the season. But then, for me, it all turned around against West Ham. Is that what the, the players felt? No, do you know what? Um, like Villa was was in a strange sort of period, um, but I'd made some sort of on the eye good signings, um, uh, and we battered them. I remember it was roasting hot, yeah. and I've got a real good pal who's a, a Villa fan now, and he he says to me when he comes to the game, he said like all he can remember is how we got like Villa got absolutely battered, and like Rudy Gestead popped up with the winner late on and rocked us. Um, and then I think did we go to Liverpool after? Yeah, right. Um, and was really unlucky again. So there was, although we hadn't picked up the points, there was a belief sort of starting to gather again. Um, and then was was the West Ham game next? Mm. Yeah. Well, you yeah. know, at Liverpool, you say that we were unlucky, but you were also unlucky yeah. in that match, weren't you? As Kersica says, you know, what did you think about your disallowed goal, and do you think it should have stood? Yeah, it should have stood a hundred percent, and. Mm. Disappointing thing was the one that we conceded because all summer they had changed this offside ball and we'd had referees come in and do this talk on it and, and this is the way it was going to be and it was so blatantly offside. Mm. Um, like away at Liverpool on a Monday night as well and we'd run them so close. I think it would have been hard not to take belief out of that game. And and again, like the West Ham game, I can remember we batted West Ham. Like we could have beat West yeah. Ham five or six. 
Um, and like, listen, they won't mind me saying, but I don't think we conceded one from a throw-in, um, which we should have stopped. I think Kingy gave a penalty away, which was preventable. Um, and then the, the third goal was definitely preventable. Um, we, we, we could have beat West Ham five or six that day. Um, yeah. And then obviously, like personally, like I was really like, like, I remember coming off of that game and I was just so happy with where I was at personally and where we was at as a team. Um, and just from then on, like, like you said, Jeff, just, just didn't think we'd have a problem. But as we saw, injuries crept in and, and the Premier League, such a, uh, psychologically, it's such a test because the first sort of period of games, you're always stopping, like in the first four months, I think you've got four international breaks that you stop for and you don't get as many games in as you'd like. And you think I'm getting there and then you stop and you think you're getting there again and you stop. Um, and you can have a run of games where you've got three or four of the top teams and you don't think you're going to get any points. And then you've got a games where you might have three or four of the teams that are, are down there and you think oh, I've got to win these games. Mm. So again, that's where uh, Eddie was so good because he, he just didn't change throughout the whole season. I mean, speaking of the um, injuries that we had, Paul Cameron said, you know, we had so many ACL injuries at AFC Bournemouth, seems more than other clubs. Was our tra- like, Is our training too intense? It's not too intense because it makes the team what they are. Um, it is blooming intense, bloody intense. Jesus. Mm. Um, and like I say, where I was so used to that for four years and I'd come off the back of, of playing for Gus Boye, who was very similar. Since then, I always, I'm always quick to remind the lads that I'd speak to now, you know, you don't realise how, how lucky you are getting what you're getting. Um, and and was that the reason for the ACLs? No, I don't think so. I think it's just probably mm. time and then, um, wear and tear, probably, but the lads have all come back really well, so that's, that's a testament to the club, isn't it? Mm. So, what was your favourite game that season, Tommy? Favourite game? West Ham was, was, would have been up there. Um, I think playing your first Premier League game is, is always a big one. Um, I think we survived against Aston Villa, which I'd managed to get back for. Um, just, just in, well, I, I, I look back, I didn't enjoy the season because I'd had such a weird injury and I couldn't get to the bottom of it. And, um, when I got back, I wasn't quite. It, it took me a lot, lot longer than what I thought it would to get back. Um, but I think when I look back at the moment, sort of injuries have always sort of defined my career and, and took me in different paths. And, and I think getting that injury took took me to Aston Villa. Um, and listen, you, you play the cards you dealt, and, and that's what happened for, for me. But um, favourite game probably West Ham getting your first Premier League win. That's that's always a big one. Isn't it? Mm. Um, Tom Jordan, first Premier League season. Obviously, there were some amazing memories. Which which was the one that stood out for you? Oh, I think similar to Tommy. I think that first Premier League game was was a weird one because we lost it. But um, I remember just it just felt like a kind of um, just felt like a party atmosphere because we were in the Premier League. It was amazing. Um, obviously, I was at West Ham. That was up there. There was, I mean, there was a lot of a lot of great ones. Um, I think. I think the way we were performing, I think after kind of Christmas time when we went on a bit of a run, it the way we were competing with with teams was was just so good to see. We were playing the same way as we were playing in the championship and we were more than competing and it was like you say, kind of all the doubters, we were kind of shoving one back at them. Um I was gonna ask Tommy, what um I know you, you suffered some injuries that season, which was which was hard to see, but did you what was the we said about League One's championship? Did you notice the real was it a pace difference going up to the Premiership? Was there was it kind of 
if you let a striker have one chance, they finish it a little bit more? Or Yeah, everyone's quick to say that, aren't they, about how ruthless mm. it is, and it is. Um, I didn't find the pace thing an issue because it's almost played in a... There's a bit more respect with it. I don't know. Someone said this to me about going from League One to the Championship as well. Players give you a bit more respect and you get a little bit more time. And you definitely get a lot more time in, in the Premier League on the ball. Um, it's a lot. It's it's a bit more like chess and chess in the Premier League. I find it's very tactical and technical. Um, and I used I used to find when when you come up against a good good striker, I, I always remember playing against Aguero and like sort of feeling a shadow on my shoulder. And I'm like, what's going on here? And he'd be watching me as opposed to watching what the game's doing. Um, so they was just wired a little bit different. I found that there was a lot of players earning like huge amounts of money that maybe you could say like couldn't really see how they were earning that money. But then there was lads earning extortionate money and they was worth every single penny. Mm. Um, so the jump between the average player wasn't great, but then the, the special ones, it was just a goal. Would you say Aguero was probably the best striker you come up against? Um, Suarez, Aguero, um, Hazard. Uh, Diego Costa was good. We played against him that year. Lukaku was very good. Um, Ronaldo, that pre-season, that famous pre-season game. So I've been lucky to face a few, but I think Aguero was he was he was different. Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, there were a number of players that played um, for AFC Bournemouth that sort of let's say didn't make the grade. Um, and James Oakley, uh, he asked. What were your thoughts on certain players and why did they not necessarily tessellate with Eddie Howe's way? Like, say, for instance, Juan yeah. Turbe, um, yeah. uh, Tekelo Ranti. Why didn't that work for players like that? Yeah, there, there's so many, and there's so um, there's so many as well with bigger reputations who come and expected to do a little bit more as well. Um, I just think the way the head start that the lads get who are already there on the ones that are just coming in is just such a benefit to them because of it is a little bit different to other clubs. Um, the way it's structured in, in training and the way they train and the tempo they train at, I think lads definitely struggle to come in and, and meet that tempo. There's a huge onus on training as well. Um, trust thing's massive for Eddie. Like you have to gain his trust. And if you don't gain your trust, I don't think players like to come in and wait. They probably want everything immediately. Um, so, yeah, like a big one, Sylvain Distan, the year he come in. Um, obviously, 37, 38, been playing in the Premier League his whole career. Unbelievable specimen, unbelievable character. Um, but had just been used to doing things differently to the way we do things. Mm. Um, and maybe struggled to take that on board at that stage in his career. Yeah. Um, okay. So it's a combination of things, but I'd say definitely the intensity of training and what's demanded every day from, from Eddie, it gives the lads who are already there a foot up. Mm, I'm, I, I am aware that we are stretching um, the time out here. So we'll we'll do another 10 or so minutes, if that's all right, 10, 15 minutes, because you've got a few questions to wrap up with. Obviously, we want to catch up with how you're doing now. Um, but one of my questions before I hand yeah. over to Jeff, I just wanted to know... As a player, you know, I think it's natural that there's always going to be a 
a sort of desire to play for a bigger club. Um, and given the crowds that turned out on the beach when we did our pro our trophy parade, did it ever frustrate you that the club couldn't seemingly capitalise on this huge fan base in waiting? Yeah, it, it, it is frustrating, still frustrating, even being a part of what went on and that legacy of, of what we put together and, and even now. Um, it, it must be frustrating for, for lads that are still there, like Cookie and Frano and, and Charlie Daniels and, and none more so than the manager. Um, mm. The reasons behind it, I, I, I don't really know. Like The club is deserving of... of, um, of, of bigger crowds um, and, and ultimately that was something that come into play with me when I left um, when when I've now moved on sort of and, and, and spent that time at Aston Villa like it, it is ridiculous how much a bigger fans um, group can can bring to the party that that yeah. um, the intensity of playing for that sort of club with that fan base and Bournemouth and Eddie are so, so deserving of that. And like you say, looking back now on the crowds that did turn out to celebrate that with us. And even since then, I've met former fans that can't get tickets for home games, like for love nor money, um, and, and haven't got a chance in the next two or three years. So it's, it's hugely frustrating. Um, but then on, on the same, on the flip side of that, everyone who goes is genuine and has probably been there for a long time. And... Um, is for the club, uh, um, and, and you know they're, they're they're lucky to have to have lived that for the last five or six years, whatever it is now. Yeah, uh, Jeff. Yeah, so uh, you talked about the injury kind of defining how you left the club. I mean, it was a, a, a must have been desperate for you to to actually leave as well. But you're now immortalised on a on a mural in the town. And how do, how does that feel? And and how does no, I'm really proud. Yeah, you, you don't, as I say, it's not um, li little things like this remind you, and I've been lucky to, to do a couple of these. I've spoke to Neil Perrett, who, who was obviously the, um, the, the, the the reporter at the time for the Echo this, this week about um, a different thing, a couple of things, and he's working for the club now. And it's not until you talk about it and stop and, 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 and think about it, like how good that was and... and how lucky we, we was to, to have all lived it. And um, like, listen, people always remind me that I was the captain of that, but it's, that that was neither here nor there. For me, it was about uh, the group and, and, and the club and, and the manager. And it was the whole thing, you know, it, it's just, it was uh, a pleasure and, and a joy to, to have been part of. I remember seeing the tearful interview with uh, Kelly Summers on ASCB TV, and it was a it was a hard watch. And uh, it was um, I've got a question here actually. I'll, I'll full screen me um, from Sam Summers, who uh, Tom you'll know, and yeah. uh, he said, um, "Is there any element at all that you wish you could have stayed at the club?" No, uh, because I could have stayed at the club. I was offered a new contract. Um, it, it, it was my decision. Um, what what I've gone on to do since then, like don't get me wrong, it wasn't what I had visioned, it wasn't what I had planned, um, it didn't go the way that I, I'd liked it to have done. But I played for one of the biggest clubs in the country and and, and managed to to, to skipper them. Um, I went there to get promoted. We we got promoted, albeit um, probably two or three seasons too late. Um, 
and I've learned more now coming away from it than I did when I was in it and and how special it was and how good it was and that will set me up um the benefit of me leaving it will be seen after football not maybe not immediately but it will set me up for 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 the side after playing if you like the, the lessons that I've learned coming away from it and looking back and reflecting and 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 knowing what was good and what isn't so good um so it will stand me in good stead and I will benefit from it in the long run how dif- how different's it been kind of moving so you've been you're obviously Brighton Bournemouth and now it's yeah. gone obviously up north how dif- how yeah. different's that been um I oh, listen like I'm really really lucky to have to have uh, grown up in Brighton like amazing place and and then to live in in Bournemouth like beautiful place um but I love the Midlands um when I joined Villa I, I took the decision to, to sort of renovate a house and um it's, it's the most underestimated place in the country I love it so we're settled here for a little bit um I'm sort of between the Midlands and, and Huddersfield at the moment um we're not at the moment but but have been since I've joined Huddersfield um but yeah as I say Bournemouth's a, a beautiful place and I've got kids now so to to sort of think if I'd have been at Bournemouth with kids as well like it would have been a really nice place to bring the kids up and at the time I didn't have kids it wasn't until I moved to, to Birmingham that I got kids but um that we had kids but yeah so it, it it would it would have been different if I had had kids but as I say re- really like the Midlands yeah if a job came up for you on the AFCB coaching team would you take it Tommy oh geez yeah like listen 100 percent. it's it's what I um it's what I want to do. Um, I see myself staying in football. Uh, I want to coach. I want to manage. Um, obviously, Eddie's got some fantastic coaches and, and is doing such a wonderful job. But I uh, listen. If, if, the, if the opportunity ever come that I could go back and, and, and coach at, at Bournemouth, like one, one million percent. It's just such a it's such a weird game because as we we're sitting here talking now, and I was only there four years. You know, it's not actually a long, long time, but we've gone through so much together and mm. you're there one day and gone the next and you don't get a chance to say goodbye to anyone and obviously with the way the leagues have worked out I haven't managed to go back and play there yet um, so look I, I want to go back one day do you know what I mean um, listen if, if it is coaching or, or managing further down the line I'd, that, that, that'd be a dream come true If you were to come back to Dean Court to play as in opposition would you still yeah. come over to the post? Oh yeah, I'll get the other side. Of it. Oh. <laughs> yeah, absolutely love it. Um, what are your plans when you finally hang up your boots? What What do you think you're going to do, or is it very much like open ended no, at this point? I'd say like as as much as I've said like since since I've left Bournemouth, I haven't quite got what I've what I've wanted in in terms of you know that day to day and and that being really really turned on by training. But really lucky at the moment um, in the manager that I've got with. with with Danny Cowley and, and Nicky Cowley up at Huddersfield, mm. like sort of as close to Eddie as, as I've had since I've left. Um, can't really speak highly enough of them. Um, so really, really gutted that I got injured at the time I, I got injured because I was just getting going. Um, and and we, we was eight unbeaten. Um, we'd won four, drawn four, and looked like we was going to turn our season around. We sort of had a bad injury and we had a few injuries on top of that. It hasn't quite gone the way we have, but I'm, I'm loving working for them. Um, and and they've been so good to me in this period. Out, they've they've left it as an open book for me. I've sat in on meetings. Um, I've, I've sort of been there for them in, in terms of recruitment, and and uh, they've wanted my opinion plenty. I've been to watch games with them. Um, I've, I've 
completed a couple of my coaching badges, so there's still all that to get boxed off. Um, but I do like you can you can never really plan for that um, until the day comes where someone tells you that that you haven't got to wake up and, and be in for quarter past nine the next day. So uh, I'm, I'm I'm 32 now. Um, you know, I, I still want to get back and, and play 100 games and, and try and get a fifth promotion if possible. Um, but for sure, like the, the long-term future for me is, is definitely in the game and, and hopefully coaching and, and one-day managing. Brilliant. Well, Tommy, it's been absolutely brilliant to have you on. Uh, we usually like to chuck in a few random questions at the end. So we had this one that was submitted uh, by Andre Linford. So have a listen to this one. Hi, Tommy, Sam. Um, Tommy, during your time at Bournemouth, uh, what was your favourite restaurant or eatery? <laughs> it was my it was my uh, my local up in Ringwood. Um, there was an Italian called B and G's. I don't think it's there anymore. Mm. Um, that was my favourite. And then if it wasn't that one, it, it was one. Um, what was it called? A seafood restaurant, like a tapas place down in um, uh, near what's the coffee shop? Bennett's. It was down that way. Mark, but uh, well, Ashley Cross. Yeah, and there was a, there was a seafood restaurant down there on the left hand side, just past the traffic lights. Trying to think, can't quite think of it. it despite the fact I live like a stone's throw away from yeah. Ashley Cross. Oh, what? Not Lock Fine, was it? No, not no. Lock I, I was about to say because that one's no, not the greatest. Um, um, <laughs> there was two restaurants next to each other, and it was one on the left hand side. The seafood. Oh. Yeah. Someone on the chat. Someone on the chat will answer that. Same. Yeah, I'm sure they will. And also, we had a question, which was quite an interesting one, actually. So, just a sort of throwaway question at the end. Um, if you had to choose a, an AFC Bournemouth player that you played with, who would be your likely phone a friend on who wants to be a millionaire? What player? What player <laughs> would it be? Depends what genre you're going here. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. So yeah. You know, say for example, it was a I don't know a question on like the Second World War or something. Oh, um, yeah, Steve no. Fletcher. <laughs> no, you just want to talk about himself for the rest of the night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, you only got thirty seconds, right? Yeah, Hughesy, Hughesy, by far. Yeah, 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 by by street. Yeah, Hughesy. superb. Um, Tom Jordan, you know, what are your final words? What do you want to, you know, do you want to say thank you? Do you want to, you know, okay. he's a legend, obviously. Absolute legend. Yeah, thanks for reference, Tommy, and you're always welcome back. And, you know, future gaffer. So, uh, look yeah. forward to seeing you. And if you do ever play against us again, come on the post and we'll give you yeah. a bit of a chance again. Yeah. No, it is not. In genuine, though, it's nice because, like I say, you're there one day and gone the next and you don't get a chance to say goodbye, especially to the fans who are the ones who, who follow and, and travel the, 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 the whole of the country to support you. So, as well, for me, like, it was, it was an amazing journey. And just thank you all as, as well. And, uh, Jeff Hayward, it's been a pleasure to have you on as well. Well, it's, it's the pleasure's uh, all ours, Tommy. It, there's a lot of love for you still uh, from the Bournemouth fans, and uh, you you are a deserved legend, and we can't thank you enough for everything you did. Fantastic, mate. Thank you very much. Ah, oh, what a guy! Absolutely loved doing that interview, and there are certain nuggets of information that I've managed to cling on to from most of the guests that we've managed to chat to and with Tommy I think the standout thing he said was since leaving the club obviously he's been at Villa been at Huddersfield but he's never got what he's felt is needed from training which is massive credit to Eddie JT and all the training staff including Simon Weatherston Steve Fletcher etc um yeah I just found that uh just a remarkable 
thing to say, but also he was so candid throughout that. So if you did want to see it again, see it rather than listen to it, you can do so by going to youtube.com forward slash AFCB podcast, because there's a lot more where that came from. If you liked this podcast, then please do consider giving us a review on your podcast app, whatever you use. Give us a comment and five stars if you like. We'd really appreciate it. We do it all for free and we certainly hope you enjoy it. Until the next interview, thanks for listening to the Lockdown Interviews. Podcast Network.